Welcome to Noclip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rutherford. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Disco Elysium, a game that was developed by ZA slash UM, or ZOM, as I've been pronouncing it probably incorrectly. Uh, and was released in 2019 on Windows and Mac OS, 2020 on PS4, PS5, and Stadia, and in 2021 on Switch, Xbox One, and the Xbox Series X slash S, which I believe now coincided with the release of the final cut version of the game, which is what we played. Yep. But first, if you give us a like or a rating, it'd be greatly appreciated. And so we're going to start with what we should really just codify as a recurring segment of the show, which is fucking Chad and Andy talk about genre. Uh, because Disco Elysium is an RPG. but uh, And I would claim this an argument that I make, but I don't think anybody disagrees with me, mm-hmm. is that RPG is far too broad of a term to use to describe anything. Um, in a very non-pretentious way, this game is not... An RPG in the sense that if you're, like, a RPG fan, you will, like, nobody would go, oh, I heard that you liked Final Fantasy. You know what game you'll love? Disco Elysium. (laughs) Yeah, like, I don't think, like, RPG would be one of, like, the first three genres I would call this game, Uh personally. (laughs) Um, Although it is obviously taking a lot of uh, cues from RPGs. Um mainly CRPGs. Um, but yeah, yeah. T- while playing it, it feels more like just like a narrative game. Like, it feels more similar to playing like a point and click or something to me, um, just in like how it feels to play. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I found myself struggling for a while to place it within a genre, and it really was just me going like, I feel so much like I'm playing an adventure game that it <laughs> it seems like it isn't really what it actually is. But it is an RPG, and after doing some reading, uh, evidently it is based, it's like mechanic system takes a lot from the game Planescape Torment, mm. uh, which is not a game that I've played and know very little about. But Yeah, it's one that I want to play really badly, because I've heard <laughs> like great things about it, but I've never played it either. Yeah, so how does this game, playing this game reflect on your desire to play a Planescape Torment? Do you think it increased it or decreased it? Probably increased, I think. I I, I definitely enjoyed my time with this game. Um, it's very dense, so you're yeah. definitely going to have to have a lot of time set aside to play it, but uh, <laughs> I'm definitely just as even more curious now, I think, to, to check that game out. Cause I know it's got like a really weird setting. Um that it, it mostly enticing me to play Planescape. Yeah, for sure. I I also find myself in that boat. When I read that there was a, a game that this game took heavy inspiration from, it made me immediately go, like, I have to, like, start breaking down in my head, like, what are the things that I like and dislike about this game, and are they likely to apply to a totally different setting? Uh, and I'm not sure. I had no desire to play Planescape Torment because it's an old CRPG, um, which are things that I avoid <laughs> for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Um, but I don't know. There's something mechanically about this game that speaks to me uh, pretty heavily. I, I liked a lot of the things that they did with this just in terms of making it 
a fun to go through experience. Yeah, it's like they took it feels like really like stripped down like design by subtraction i think mm-hmm. like that you take like it, it really focuses in on like skill checks um and that's basically like the main rpg um mechanic is that you have all these different skills you can level up and then you use those skills to like pass certain checks like to get information and uh, things like that um and then yeah they kind of just like put it in like a more contemporary kind of like mid uh 20th century kind of uh setting and yeah you end up with like a really unique feeling product yeah definitely as a result yeah my initial thought process when i was playing this game was like this is very obviously created by people who are in the like boutique uh ttrpg space like the people mm-hmm. who would buy a game uh, book to play a, in a role-playing setting that has like unique rules and uh, a, a focus on these like obscure skill checks and like political machinations. I was like, this feels like something that I would buy a book, yeah, from like, a Kickstarter to own. Yeah, like Electric Bastion Land. <laughs> yeah, which we had just played recently. And apparently, you had to have a weird, evocative title like that, <laughs> Disco Elysium. <laughs> Etc. Etc. That is definitely true, and Disco Elysium is a great title, um, though odd for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I want to focus in on on. We do this on every podcast. We're like, let's talk about the mechanics. Let's talk about the narrative. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of games, they are separate things. Um, or at least it's easy to break them down that way. Yeah, this is not going to be so easy. Uh, so hopefully what that means is a nice fluid conversation from one into the other without a, a desperate, like a very noticeable break. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what it also means this game is a dialogue based game. And so everything that you do in it is going to be in some way related to the narrative or the goings on. Um, so the interesting thing mechanically about this game it comes in the form of its skill system. Uh, and I made potentially the incorrect phrasing already this early in the podcast mm-hmm. in saying that the game was fun to play because that's not, that is obviously not the goal of this system is to be fun. There are parts of it that are supposed to be funny and mm-hmm. it's engaging, uh, but the game is pretty bleak. Uh, all told. And so when I say fun, I think my actual like feelings on it are deep maybe, or customizable in a way that I enjoyed. Yeah. You tend to really like things that are like cleverly written. I think like I, I knew immediately you would really appreciate a lot of the, the dialogue more than the average person probably would. The average bear. Yeah. Joanne and Cletus. Yeah. Uh, And I would agree with that. And the dialogue works on the back of these systems in a way that is, like, fascinating to me from a, like, design and programming perspective. Because what happens in this game, and it took me a while to kind of suss this out, um, is that the game is just constantly running checks in the background that you aren't privy to there are a few 
important things that you will get the opportunity to roll for uh, in the form of the white and red checks that are selectable dialogue options. But constantly while you're receiving information, the game is saying like, does this information spark a memory? We'll check against encyclopedia. Or like, do you read more into this? We'll check against empathy. That kind of a thing. And the fact that the game has, what is it, 20 skills? 20, 21 skills? Something like that? Somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, like a huge number of... Uh, it couldn't possibly be 21. I don't know where that number came from. Because there's four. Like, maybe 25. <laughs> yeah, it would be between 20 and 24. it's like four rows of five skills. Okay, then it would be 20 I th- skills. I think. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like, uh, you really have to choose where your specializations are going to be. Uh, or if you don't, then you get this very, like, vague sense of everything as opposed to a really acute understanding of specific things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really like the way that that's set out. Um, and they even they give you the option at the beginning of the game, um, and I know what you did, um, but I chose to start with a uh, with an empathetic character, a, uh, a sci, a I guess, mm-hmm. uh, focused character, that uh, who's like the default version of that character. Their signature skill is Inland Empire. Um, and I know that you chose your own. Yeah, yeah. I just, when I started it out, like, I knew so little about what the game was actually like. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like all the descriptions felt, like, so vague. (laughs) And, like, I just didn't feel, like, confident about picking any of the pre-made choices. So I just made my own. Um, and I picked, um, Encyclopedia as my main skill. Which I, I was happy that I did. Yeah, <laughs> it felt very like very helpful early on to have that. Yeah, I, I will say later in the game, I ended up artificially increasing my encyclopedia a lot because I felt like that skill came in handy more than I anticipated it at the beginning of the game. Yeah, and and as I progressed, I kind of just tried to feel everything out, like based on the kinds of situations I was running into, like what skills felt they'd be the most useful. So I kind of like spread myself a little thin at first and then zeroed in on the things that seemed the best to me. Yeah. So I I ended up with like a like logic encyclopedia, um, like I think visual conceptualization or something. Like those were like some of my favorite skills. Yeah. There were a lot of things that I ended up, looking up in this game. I did a lot of reading, like, post-game uh, for this one, which is something I normally don't do, but I felt like there was a lot in this game that I could have been missing. Uh, you yeah. Can, you can have Kuno as a partner, which I found absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's skipping to the end. Yeah. But uh... <laughs> but I only learned about that today, and it's something that I wouldn't yeah. have known if I didn't look stuff up. Yeah, same. Um, but to sympathize, I was frustrated at the very beginning as well, looking at the, the reason I basically had the same feeling and then the opposite reaction Mm -hmm. is I was also frustrated by, frustrated by the vagueness of the descriptions of the different character archetypes and just decided to trust Mm -hmm. that the ones that they had set up would be reasonably competent. Uh, and then that I would be able to to sort of further it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that also gets compounded with the existence of the thought catalog, which we'll get into later. But you can really gobble up a lot of your skill points doing 
fuck all, really. Like, <laughs> I had a few skills that had a lot of points in them, like uh, Half-Life, that never really seemed to, like, jump to uh, the forefront at any point. Like, it would chime in often, but rarely was there, like, an important check or, like, a need for the, the skill that I that was, like, tangibly felt by me as the player. Mm-hmm. I don't no, know if the... No, yeah, full agree. Yeah. There are certain skills that seem like they just, like, were very niche. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I tended not to put points into stuff like that. Including, weirdly, the health skills, mm-hmm. volition and endurance. Yeah. Uh, the, the sensitive pre-built character starts with four volition and four endurance. Uh, and I, ne- with one exception, like midway through day four for me, there was almost never a time that I felt like I was going to be killed or lose all of my uh, health. Mm-hmm. And at those times, I had over, I had double digits healing items. Uh, and I don't think this game benefits from being difficult in the sense that you could die at any time. Yeah, but it really takes the the sting out of like the options that actually do cause you harm. Yeah, I had a a, a, a little string of bad luck because I also just kind of ignored the health and endurance. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had one little stretch where um, there were like three different things like right in a row that you could interact with and hurt yourself. And I did on all three of them and died. Um, and that, that was the only instance. It was like trying to lift the barbell. Yeah. Then there was like a door in the next room you could knock on until it would hurt you. And then another thing in the next room after that, you could kick and it would hurt you. And I did all three of those things and died. <laughs> Damn. Um, but yeah, that was just very bad luck or negligence on my part. Cause I could have healed myself. Right. But I was so used to not worrying about it. Exactly. Yeah. I would like often ne- not think about it. And then like when I would, at the time that I was discussing happened, uh, there's a scene in the church that you can get, uh, in under certain circumstances where this like unbearable sound will start to play. And I remember getting hurt down to, like, one morale. And even at that point being like, do I even want to use a healing item? Because I'm just going to go right to bed after this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, like, I did do it out of an abundance of caution. And because I had just a literal mountain of psychoactive drugs Mm -hmm. uh, in my possession... I was like, I might as well heal, but I I didn't really need to. It was a strange uh, setup, I guess. I don't know. But I mean, maybe that's the way we played. Maybe there's like a much more violent version of this that you could do. Yeah, I feel like there's some circumstances. Like I think it just depends on like, um, like I know, what's the name of the big fat guy? Big communist man? Oh, Everard? Yeah. There's like I know you can like die to him like I like I, in reviews people will kind of refer to him as like a boss fight basically because he can do like a bunch of damage to you. He makes you sit in a chair that is so it, uncomfortable yeah, that, that does, it hurts yeah. your morale. Yeah. But like I don't think I took much in that. You know, like it's it's very. I think if you pay attention, mm-hmm. um, it's pretty easy to avoid like taking much damage. Yeah, and I think it also comes down to sort of like how you go about 
doing things. In that scene with Everett, I had tons of healing items already. Yeah. But if you're not the kind of person who scours and, like, picks up everything on the ground, maybe you don't have enough. Maybe mm-hmm. it will actually be difficult to uh, to make it through. Yeah. Um, but there are multiple situations in the game where my character broke down sobbing <laughs> in front of other people, uh, which does damage your morale. Uh, but the fact that that was allowed to happen without me ever being in any actual mortal peril mm-hmm. is, uh, call, to me, calls into question how useful the two health yeah, bar system and, is. Yeah, and uh, like um, kind of like what I was talking about before, where I got unlucky. Like mm-hmm. I, that was kind of like a criticism I had, but I didn't know like how situational this was that this that sort of thing can happen. But like it did kind of feel like the game was punishing me for like interacting with stuff like because like most of the time because like early on like you can talk to kim like right when you start out the game and you have a bunch of stuff you can ask him and there were certain things i didn't because i didn't want to look bad yeah and then those just sat there yeah and like on by like day four i'm like should i like ask him while he's following me (laughs) even though he's we've been partners for four days Mm -hmm. like you know to see if it does anything you know so you end up with weird things like that where like sometimes you're rewarded for just asking everything and sometimes you're punished for it and it's kind of weird so you try to play it intelligently and then when you maybe you don't have any leads of what to do next you're tempted to go back and ask that stuff and sometimes you get hurt for it. <laughs> and sometimes you're rewarded. So it's kind of weird. Yeah. I think my version of that same criticism is that when you're playing this game, there it seems like you want to make intelligent decisions about what questions you're asking. Um, but there's no indication as to whether you're looking at a menu or a set of options. Where it's like, which I realize are essentially synonymous, so <laughs> please let me go on. Uh <laughs> Uh, there are times when you look at a list of questions and the game intends you to ask all of them, uh, or at least like some number and then choose to move on. Mm-hmm. And then other times when you select an option and that is your lock. Yeah, and then it thing. moves on. Yeah. yeah. And it's more obvious in some cases than others, but the question was always there. And also there are times when I would choose something thinking that it was an option between two things, but then it wouldn't let me move on until I asked the other one as well, uh, which felt weird from a role-playing standpoint because it was like, this isn't what I want wanted to say. I mm-hmm. wanted to say the other thing and then move on and felt like it was, had a lot of finality. The end of the game was really bad about this for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, it feels like kind of like they want it to feel a little unpredictable. Mm-hmm. If, but like yeah, because I think it would be easy to like color code the text or something to make it clear when it's gonna move on and when it's not. But it, yeah, it seems like they didn't want to do that. Like I think it what does want you to keep you guessing, for better and for worse. Yeah, I agree. I I think that is what its like design goal is, and there's probably gonna be a few other questions of what their goals were as yeah, we go like, on. I just think it it wants to like make you take everything seriously Mm -hmm. is like what they're trying to accomplish with that if i had to guess which is funny because this is so we mentioned the game 
probably taking inspiration from Planescape because they mentioned it. And when playing through this originally, like the perspective and the tone and everything, I kind of came in thinking like, maybe I'll make comparisons to Kentucky Route Zero here. Yeah. In, in the end, the game that I feel this is the most like that we've played is actually West of Loathing. Strangely, it just is a game that very successfully uses comedy to express its like the the point of its setting and i found that a lot of these dialogue options were very much like railroading you into making it so that their jokes land <laughs> mm. yeah sometimes but I think overall probably fairly positive because the writing is so good. Like I'm glad to hear more of it, but uh, that I think that did lead to a lot of situations where I was like, "This sounds like a thing that an idiot would say." Yeah. So I'll choose the less dumb option. Yeah, and I also had some friction, um, it, especially early on, because like the beginning. Like, the very beginning, like, where you, like, basically are brought back from Death's Door uh-huh. was, like, so effective to me that I'm, like, I'm going to play the character, like, a fucking straight edge. Uh, like, I'm right. I'm getting his life back together, goddammit. Like, <laughs> and there's so many options seated in there to go the exact opposite direction and to, like, be really silly and drink and do drugs and, like, you know, be, like, eccentric and, like, a... Uh, like a like a sensationalized like hyper fictionalized uh, uh, version of like an alcoholic or whatever mm-hmm. and I, I just did the exact opposite so there kept being like a bunch of like things that you could ask people that are just like these goofy off the wall things that I would just never pick yeah <laughs> and sometimes would have to pick and it would be weird <laughs> yeah it just like doesn't feel like it's within your uh in the game's terms your capo type mm-hmm. um i i found it actually there was a, a specific moment i'm trying to remember it was in it was when i was talking to joyce the union leader for the first time mm-hmm. who was very suspicious <laughs> i was always very suspicious of her That's anyway fair. continue yeah and the game rightfully does cast further <laughs> suspicion on her so yeah. Um, but the, uh, in the first conversation you have with her, Kim pulls you aside beforehand and is like, uh, so you are kind of a wackadoodle lunatic. So we're going to lean into that to throw her off balance. So try and get her on the back foot with your questions and then we'll hit her with the stuff that makes sense. And it felt like a tutorial in a way where it was like, just pick whatever the fuck you want and the game will just roll with it. And there's even a tooltip in the man, in the loading screens that comes up on occasion that says like, people are going to be more accepting of the things that you say because you are a cop. Uh, and I did not find that to be true. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. It seemed like if you picked the wackadoodle lunatic option, then people would treat you like an escaped convict. Yeah, no, people called you on it immediately a lot of the time. Yep. (laughs) So it became really difficult at times. And it felt like everyone knew that you'd been there for days and were like like out of your mind 
lunatic who sold your gun. Like, everyone knows you don't have your badge uh-huh. or gun or anything. So I felt like every, if you tried to, like, just... Yeah, everyone would call you on your bullshit if you tried to be goofy. Yeah, like, almost instantaneously. Yeah. And so I found myself in this situation where I thought the only real option was to lean into it. As I mentioned before, the cop type that I leaned into the hardest was the superstar cop, mm-hmm. uh, which was fun, and I enjoyed doing it. Um, but, yeah, it feels like nobody really takes you seriously for the whole game. Uh, except during that one glorious moment where I sang karaoke and fucking ruled ass at it. Yeah. Uh, so there's that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is what I meant when I said everything sort of blends a bit. Because mm-hmm. we started this with the the many skills in the game. Right. Uh, <laughs> which I do, I want to jump back to. Mm-hmm. Um because I found the delineation between the different skills to be really motivating uh, and something that I wanted to explore. Um, I mentioned this to you off cast, but if I were starting the game over, I think when I had this realization, I was probably like 12 hours in or so. Mm-hmm. But I probably would have wanted to put fewer points in the physicality uh, stat and more into motorics because a lot of that shit is just mechanically very useful. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff in physicality made me hate myself. Uh, <laughs> the physicality stat is the one that houses um, shivers mm-hmm. and uh, half light and electrochemistry, which are the the voices in my head that I wish I could stop hearing. Yeah, I didn't put points in any of those. Yeah. I hated them a lot. Not a lot, nor hated. <laughs> Let me take it back and go back to the beginning. Uh-huh. I, I think Shivers is incredibly clever. Uh, it's like a, a skill that allows you to sort of like hear things that are happening outside of your field of vision if they have an impact on the city. Mm -hmm. And that is a cool thing, but I felt like every one of... Shivers, beautifully written, Mm -hmm. takes forever. Uh, It is a... Always very wordy, very verbose. And then uh, (laughs) Half-Light, like I mentioned before, never seemed to really come up in a way that tangibly felt real to me. Mm -hmm. It was just like a lot of fear. That was being put on me. And electrochemistry just interrupts you every three seconds to tell you how great drugs are. Uh, and I think it's because I had, like, a middling electrochemistry. Like, mine sat at, like, four to five, depending on my equipment, mm-hmm. for most of the game. So it was really big on the engage with addictive substances route, and less so on the know-how-to-identify-and-deal-with-substances, with which I think is what, like, a high electrochemistry would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was really odd. Uh, those ones really fucking wrecked me. And on the flip side, I thought uh, interfacing reaction speed and hand-eye coordination were all very cool when they showed up. Mm-hmm. So I didn't point points in any of those either. <laughs> I put a lot of points into things in motorics. It was like yeah. a bunch of motorics, a little bit in, uh, it was in logic and encyclopedia, 
on the intelligence tree. Mm-hmm. And then pretty much all of my other points went into empathy, Inland Empire, and uh, some of the other stuff in, mm-hmm. in those zones. Yeah, I mine think was, physical instrument. Yeah, mine was kind of like a like a graph where like it we just like went down like in a like like the top row was the most, then the next one was second most then the third one was third most like uh. <laughs> it kind of went like down like that mm. so most of my stuff was clustered up in the top right corner <laughs> yeah what were your starting stats like the numbers on the left i don't remember you can go up to five i think mm-hmm. as a maximum in anything so mine was like one five four two yeah. Uh, like, I don't remember at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's something I thought about a lot, because it's one of mm-hmm. those systems that I engage with. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It was something that I was always thinking about, but then I also dove pretty deeply into the thought cabinet, so, like, I never had anything that was over 10, mm-hmm. um, except for... Um, perception because i completed a thought cabinet thing that just gave me a permanent plus three boost to it nice uh which was nuts as far as like um being able to like boost it higher and higher and i passed like every perception check Mm. in the game after that um but yeah i don't know if that's (laughs) if that's all you yeah for me like i just kind of engaged with it on like a more like I said, I was just kind of feeling it out kind of basis. This is like, I put points into whatever I thought was good, and then if there was anything, like there were, got to a point in the game where like two checks were locked behind uh, empathy, so then I just put a point in empathy. Like, it always was like, I put this stuff in the scene valuable, and that worked out, and then if anything new came along, I was just able to put a point in it, and mm-hmm. it worked out. That's fair. So yeah, like, I never, I didn't really engage with it on that kind of like on any kind of like deep like oh i need to like figure out like where to put all my points kind of way i just kind of like went with the flow with it there's one other thing about the leveling system that i wanted to mention that really stood out to me and i'm curious if that the way that you described it kind of sounds like you engaged in it in the way that i liked Mm -hmm. um which is whenever you level in this game, you get the point, but you don't have to spend it. So mm-hmm. you can just hold points and walk around with them. And if you encounter something in dialogue that you would need a point to do or like put points in something to retry a white check, you can just stop right there, go in, put a point in the thing that you want, and then go in and, and do it that way. Did you hold on to points or did you level pretty much immediately? I don't think I ever held on to points. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. We, we played very differently. Uh, yeah, um, like I just it just felt like you got them frequently enough that like because like I also got to the point where um, in the the library like mm-hmm. you can break down the door behind the curtain, um, and I didn't realize you could talk your way in, um, so I just like just put three points in it. It didn't. It felt like it didn't even take that long to do, mm-hmm. and then I was able to break it down. Like it just like there's so much like once you get to like especially after day three when you open up the coast section. Yeah. There's so much you can just go do yeah. that, like, you can just be like, oh, I'll put this off until I get the stuff I need and come back. And it usually feels like it, it's it got this nice, like, kind of natural pacing to it where if, like, you've run into a roadblock in one place, you just go do something else and come back later. Yeah. I, I feel like I agree with that mostly, 
my point of of difference here is that I always wanted to hold off until I found something mm-hmm. before I actually committed the point. Yeah, like, I never even like thought to, to do, do that. that. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I I usually use the points pretty quickly within a few minutes or maybe an hour or whatever. But at the end of the game, when it gave me the like, you can't come back point of no return thing, Mm -hmm. I checked in my stats and I had five unspent points (laughs) and was like, hmm, should I go do some other stuff? Yeah. And, uh, I would say nine times out of ten, I would have, but as we'll get into a little bit later, I was pretty in the mood for the game to be over, Mm -hmm. so I ended up just getting on the boat with five unspent points and then using them on the island to actually solve those problems. You know, I I do think it's really cool that you can do that. I just, I never would have thought to do it, personally, Mm. unless I got, like, multiple at once, uh, which did, I think, happen at least once. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that I would have ended up with five unspent if there wasn't like a one of those big narrative conversations where you're hitting mm-hmm. uh, checks all the time. We've mentioned a lot about um, the different like uh, skills and how they'll like chime in to tell you stuff. Yeah, like this game is so dense with narration and dialogue, and it's all voice acted. <laughs> Like, the amount of voice acting and just writing in this game is, like, kind of astonishing. Like, you compared it to West of Loathing, um, and I think that is a good comparison um, in my eyes because of just, like, the amount of, like, narrative depth that it has. Like, it just keeps going deeper than you expect in a way that I found just, like, really impressive. Yeah. I also want to at least briefly mention this. Um, the voice acting was actually added in the Final Cut version. Oh, wow. The original version had voice lines of introduction. So your, uh, the fuck does Kuno care mm-hmm. would have been voiced, but then the rest of his dialogue would have all just been text. Okay. And then when they released the Final Cut version, I looked at the list of changes. Mm-hmm. Literally none of them are like even 1% as impressive or important as the voice acting. Mm-hmm. I knew that the vision quests were new to the yeah. Final Cut version, but didn't know about anything else. So. Which I'm not even 100% sure I found. I don't fully know what a vision quest uh-huh. is, so I may have not done any of them. Yeah, They do have like specific requirements to do. So, uh-huh. so I may I, have just missed them. Yeah. Damn. I'll maybe have to look that up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, though, yes. The writing and the... <laughs> yes, yes, a thousand times yes. Mm-hmm. The writing and the voice acting is absolutely insane. Um, the script for this game has to be, like, novel. Length. Yeah, I want to know how long it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and... Um, God, what was I just going to say? Uh, something about the voice acting. Oh, okay, I got it. And yeah, like, imagining playing this game without the voice acting is kind of like, feels like just, like, monumental difference. <laughs> like, I feel like it, it takes it from being, like, a game that a lot of people could get a lot of, like, enjoyment out of in different ways mm-hmm. to something that would be 
hyper niche like i feel like sitting and reading that much dialogue like you you would play the game for like at least someone like me i feel like i'd sit down to play the game play it for like a half hour and be like wow i'm mentally exhausted like (laughs) i'm gonna go to bed now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Even as it stands right now with voice acting, I found this game to be mentally exhausting. But Yeah, at times. Yeah, but that's something we can get into. The voice acting does absolutely lend so much more just inherent playability to this than it ever would have been uh, without it. Like, it does feel like a choose-your-own-adventure uh set of encyclopedias Mm -hmm. is what it would be with no voice acting but people played and liked it at the time yeah um but i think that it appeals to a really specific kind of person where with the voice acting which with very few exceptions was all very good um really brings it to a another level Mm -hmm. uh and made it very appealing to me somebody who does not want to sit for a hundred thousand hours and read a million lines of dialogue I guess I think an interesting thing to talk about is like to backpedal a little like what were your first impressions of the game Mm. like starting out like the first day I think is very specifically laid out and designed to like make you feel like you're not making any progress and I was just wondering like what you thought about like the first couple hours of the game um, cause I, I feel like a lot of people pick up this game, like this game, like, um, well, probably like, I don't know when it came out or when the final cut came out, it got like some attention and I think a lot of people tried it and were off put by the beginning. And I'm just wondering what you think about like the early hours of it. Yeah, I agree with that. I also want to come back to the game not making you feel like you had a lot of progress, but I want to answer your question more in earnest first. Mm -hmm. Um, Because my initial prospects on this game were definitely different than how I ended with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Where I had this feeling of like, I'm going to go in, because I did, I went in pretty much blind to this game. I I knew very little outside of the opening, like five minutes um, coming in. (laughs) And uh, it, I was like, I'll go in blind. I'm just going to go, just sort of go with my gut feeling on everything and kind of roll through in what I can perceive as the most natural way possible. And immediately the game put up a bunch of stuff in front of me that I just had no idea how to handle or deal with. So it became much more of this like poking and prodding, like trial and error system to get, uh, to like understand the tone of the game and the situation. And I love to death that when you meet Klaasja on the first day, uh, my character wanted to making fuck with her or Mm -hmm. whatever. And and they bring that back up and throw it in your face on, depending on when you do it for me, it was the end of day three Mm -hmm. uh, where I suddenly had to interrogate her, a character that I hadn't seen or thought about in over 15 hours of gameplay. You actually can see her up on the roof when you walk by, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I guess I did see her, but I didn't make the connection in my head. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was, to me, this game felt like a puzzle box at the beginning. Like, I had no idea what I was doing, and doesn't it never really makes you feel like you're solving the mystery mm-hmm. until you get pretty deep into it 
Yeah, no, I felt similar. Um, like, starting out, like, I just remember feeling like, how much do I focus on the body hanging on in on from the tree mm-hmm. out back of the hotel? I'm like, should I be wandering around? Like, should I go down this street? Should I go over here? Should I be, like, uh, opening up these new side quests or whatever? Or, like, should I be focusing on the uh, solving the mystery of the hanging? Like, you know, that case, like, is, am I going to solve the case, like, by the end of the first day and then have another case to go do? Like, it does feel a little puzzle boxy and, like, you have to kind of, um, you you have to, like, you unfold it as you go. Like, it isn't immediately apparent, like, what the game is going to be. Yeah. I, right now, and I don't know exactly how your thing played out, I had a similar thought process where i was like okay we have the hanging we have all this evidence yeah i didn't know if i had all the stuff nearby to solve it or if i should have to go elsewhere and have to come back to this later yeah is a better way to put it no it's true and yeah kim says early on in the game like gotta go talk to all the locals and figure out the lay of the land and stuff and the game immediately presents you with like there's tire tracks outside of the the courtyard that he's in, the fence is broken, there's footprints underneath of him, and then obviously the corpse is there. And Kuno. And Kuno's throwing rocks at him. Uh, there's clothes in the dumpster, which is not a difficult thing to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all of this, like, what feels like very important evidence laid around on the crime scene. Um, and by the end of the game, I got what is, according to the wikis, the best ending. Mm. But I didn't know who the killer was at all before I met him. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's supposed to be that way. Yeah. <laughs> but you're supposed to have, like... I think that there were supposed to well, be Well, I'm just clues. saying you didn't, like, miss something. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying that I personally, like, I didn't know where the shot came from and all of this stuff that, like, supposedly would lead you to the island. It was just handed to me at the end. Mm-hmm. So the game presents itself as this, like crime-solving mystery game, but very quickly it becomes in like a clothes collection <laughs> mini-game type game <laughs> that I just wasn't expecting. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, yeah, Kuno felt like a huge curveball to me, because he's like one of the first characters you'll meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it really bothered me that he just kept throwing rocks at the body. <laughs> and it's just like, this seems like a problem. And like me being me, and thinking logically, I'm like, well, first thing we should do is get him to leave. <laughs> but that's not an option. Nope. <laughs> and that, like, really bugged me. I was like, there's got to be something to do with Kuno here. Like, I kept mm-hmm. coming back and talking to him and getting nowhere. Like, just no new options. And, like, I'm like, I it just felt like a thing that I, I that needed dealt with that you just don't. Yep. And there's <laughs> and the... Maybe it was a personal weird hang-up I had, but... <laughs> No, it isn't, because <laughs> it's that, that girl, C. Uh, yeah, her too, yeah. Who's over on the fence, and, like, she has different dialogue if you talk to her from the front of the fence or mm-hmm. behind the fence. And it's like, uh, there's so much going on with those two characters that it does feel immediately like you're like, we can't have him just throwing rocks at this thing all day. And Kim is, like, very casual about it. Like, it's very... It, the tone of that is just weird to me. Yeah. I think it's supposed to sort of give you the idea that, like, 
this isn't police work in the way that you think about it. Yeah, or like just how shitty this place is that you're <laughs> that no one cares that this kid's just throwing rocks at a dead body. No one cares that the dead body's there. Right. Yeah, I think it's supposed to drive that home, but like it. I don't. I feel like it doesn't quite get there. Mm-hmm. And also, I know that in my report that I filled out in the dossier, mm-hmm. that the rocks were being thrown at maximum velocity, <laughs> because I just went along with whatever Kuno said for the most part. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it definitely, he felt like very important and... That the game was just like, fuck you for thinking that you could do anything about it. Mm. Uh, I felt the game felt kind of fuck you about a lot of stuff. Uh, This was, I guess, like, shout outs to Andy Kinnick here. Uh, A (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Potentially since Return of the Overdin, the best Mystery May game by theming. Like... It is the. It felt the most like an actual mystery. I felt like I was doing a lot of detective work, actually, where I was like uncovering things and piecing things and creating theories in my head, uh, in a way that very few of our like mystery themed games end up doing. Uh, and Overdin is the only one that ever really gave me that feeling mm-hmm. outside of this. So, uh, yeah, it's weird how much the game pushes back on your ability to solve the mystery and how much that actually makes you kind of want to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I feel like, I feel like the potential for that is there, but like for me, it felt like there was just so much information thrown at you that I I couldn't remember like half of it. Well, and that's where the mental exhaustion comes in. It felt like I did not at all come close to solving the mystery on my own. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but for much smarter people, uh, you, there's, it's definitely there, um, the potential for that. And I mean, it depends on what kind of information you're getting, right? Yeah. Like I retried the visual calculus check on the window, uh, to do ballistics like four times over the course of the game before I did finally get it. And when it gave me that raw information, that you probably would have gotten fairly easily with a higher visual calculus base score. Mm-hmm. Uh, I immediately was like, I don't know what to do with any of this. <laughs> this is just information I now have. And it opened up a, a thing to check the shoreline for all of the different places the bullet could have been shot from, but I was only ever able to access one of those things. Mm-hmm. So like it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> so it was, it did feel like the stuff that felt like, natural actual mystery solving things weren't what was helping me in any yeah. way and it and it does feel like pretty quickly the the actual like solving of the case is put on the back burner and like the political stuff and a lot of like uh, there's like the supernatural element of the pale which is like super interesting mm-hmm. to me anyway um it's just thrown in there and there's like cryptozoologists and it's just like a bunch of interesting, like almost kind of like uh like twilight zone type stuff creeping in there. Um, that seem to take up like the bulk of the focus of the game in the middle. Yeah. It, yeah. It was, and I was personally shocked to find that the supernatural stuff was 
a real in the context of the game. It actually does have like a surreal or magical realist sort yeah. of like angle to it. And B, that some of it was important. Because I engaged heavily, and you fucking know I mean very heavily, mm-hmm. with the cryptozoologist uh, like quest line. I finished every fucking one of them, mm-hmm. and at the end of the game, I had the heavy pheromones to talk with the insulin phasmid, and I was ecstatic at the fact that that came up and was a real thing and was also like a key part of the ending of the game mm-hmm. but just didn't think that it was going to mean or do anything i was very willing to believe in my heart in chad's heart not harry dubois uh-huh uh that all of it was just bullshit that they put in the game for flavor purposes. But I enjoyed myself with it a, a great deal and uh, was tickled to death to see that it actually came up. I got way less of the pale than I think everyone else on the planet mm. did. And I'm curious like, if they did that intentionally as like a stat spread thing, where like, if you have a higher intelligence score, you get more pale. Uh, and mm-hmm. if you have a higher... Uh, Psy score, you end up with more. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Did you finish the church quest line, like the rave? Yeah, I got thing? to that, and I don't know if I finished it. Finished mm. it. Uh, I got to the church. I got them into the church, and I got the big booming thing. Okay. And I also created the new wave of anodic dance music. Right. And also, I, I danced my ass off. Yeah, I I don't know how much more there is about it, um, but that's like the big I think uh, like dump of information about that. From I'm, what I understand, it comes I from have, that quest. Okay, I may have missed some dialogue at that mm-hmm. point because I know about the two millimeter hole in the world, uh-huh. but did not know that it was related to the pale. Oh yeah, it is the pale. Actually. Oh. it's like a new. Um, like uh area of it forming in that spot and it's gonna like expand as it like sucks in stuff fascinating yeah i bought the book about the pale but all it did was try and teach me (laughs) hangover remedies Mm. that i couldn't get the ingredients for so yeah i didn't uh full transparency finish the game Mm -hmm. so i only know this because of a review that i watched (laughs) um but um from what i understand like that's where that information comes from and it does probably depend on what your stats are like how much information you get from you know that whole all the dialogue options you get in that quest yeah i just had half light chime in a million times going you should leave and never come <laughs> yeah back. and there's maybe other places where you can get people will talk to you about it too mm-hmm. yeah the pale thing was like it's basically like the nothing, from what I understand from the never-ending story, uh-huh. if you're familiar. Where it's and it's cool um, how it ties into the themes, where it's kind of like it's a like sci-fi concept, like a personification of the idea of like people who forget history are doomed to repeat it. Like it's like it literally sucks in knowledge of the past and stuff, and like kind of like blurs it in like from people's memories and stuff. Okay, that tracks more. I think I maybe just didn't have a name. Like, mm. I didn't think that it was The Pale. Because we had somebody... I had that book talking about The Pale that wasn't very informative. I had the character that I remember as a character. Hold on. 
<laughs> oh, uh, Ruby, mm. who is setting up this, like, special radio trans... I remember some of these proper nouns and other ones are going to go out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of those. But some kind of, like, special radio broadcast that supposedly has something to do with the pale. Mm-hmm. Um but in my playthrough, she killed herself, so it, I didn't get much more information from that. And then uh, at the very end of the game, talking the the shit in the church, and then also talking to the phasmid mm. uh, about like the human existence potentially wiping out all life on the planet. I initially read as like an environmental message, mm. but I honestly don't think that's how it was intended. Uh, but I think that also has to do with the pale and the yeah. way that it is. But I'm not, at this stage, even sure really what the pale is, like, metaphorically standing in for, mm-hmm. if it is anything. So, um, it's interesting. Yo, yeah. It's not something that I'm qualified to comment on. Yeah, it's a weird thing to seem like it's so significant, but be like, and a lot of information on it is in the game, but it's, like, hard to come across. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's weird how it's, like, woven in there. Um, speaking of weaving things in, mm-hmm. <laughs> do we want to have our two halves of conversation about this and join them together by weaving in a, a break? break? All right. Kuno don't give no fuck about no break. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> um, we made a discovery during the break, mm. uh, which was I now know what the vision quests are, and I did in fact get one, uh, but did not complete it. Mm-hmm. And it also ties into a minor point that I wanted to bring up. So let's talk about those at least briefly. Yeah, I think it's on the third day you wake up, you get a prompt... Um... And then, at least for mine, I had, had to like ask Kim about it, um, and mine was for the um, the the moralism uh, vision quest because mm-hmm. I'm ever the moderate Andy Kinnick. <laughs> uh, the game will make fun of you for being a centrist, so yeah. that is just a thing. Uh, I got mine was the ultra liberal one um, with, for Savoir Faire wanted me to. Uh, become an art dealer Mm. which is unusual um (laughs) but also confusing because the game i ended up with the uh options within the game to internalize three of the different political ideologies uh the first one that i got was for fascism the second one was uh, communism, and then the third one was moralist. So I actually was never prompted for the ultra liberal, mm. uh, like actual like thought cabinet thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was the vision quest that I received. So I'm not really sure how it determines, or like maybe just that day I happen to be feeling mm. mighty ultra liberal. Maybe there's like a specific trigger or conversation or whatever that unlocks the thought yeah but the one that i had was to buy a piece of art from cindy the skull 
and then find a buyer for it. And according to the dialogue in my head, the buyer was going to be in that shipping container uh, at yeah. the dock that you you can try to open using rhetoric, uh, but you have to crit in order to succeed. Um, and I just never, I never got there. By the time I had gotten the painting from Cindy, uh, it was so late in the game that the the dock was locked off to me. Mm. Or at least I thought it was. I didn't actually go check. <laughs> I may just have not been able to talk to Everard. Mm. But uh, they were like, the, the strike has locked up the dock. And I was like, okay, I won't even try. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to see it to its conclusion. Uh, I don't know what the moralist one is, though. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, similar for me, like, I didn't actually uh, do the whole thing, but it was started. But uh, I did look up what happens in it, though. Um, you end up having to work with Suna, the woman in the church, um, and she helps you. Um, you learn about this from the guy, the Sunday evening friend, mm-hmm. um, the politician or whatever he is. He t- He tips you into the existence of the moral intern which are like a secret society and then you get suna to help you turn the big statue the guy on the horse into a radio tower which you then use to contact them and then you can talk to them about like a number of different things and get like a bunch of lore dumped on you right that's interesting i have i didn't look up what the end of my quest would have been uh and i think you can tell them about the um the two millimeter hole or whatever, the cone of silence or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that can affect the ending. Um, but don't take my word for it. <laughs> exactly. Find out for yourself. Uh, we're free thinkers here on the no clip podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know what selling a fucking credit card sized <laughs> painting to somebody in a freight container would have done for me. Or affected mm-hmm. the ending. It seems like nothing. Uh, maybe it would have gotten me a million dollars because I know that that's what the point of the quest seemed to be is mm. to make a bunch of money. Uh, by the end of the game, I was certainly not short on cash for what I needed it for. Um, and I, they put money on the island at the end with seemingly no conceivable way of spending it, which just made me more confused. Uh, and regret slightly that I didn't buy more dumb shit because I had like fifty or sixty real to end the mm-hmm. game. Um, yeah, but... I bought almost nothing mm. personally. I did for a long time, but I took up the free residence option as mm. soon as I could. Yeah, I didn't. It, it felt like I taking advantage of the old lady, so I didn't <laughs> stay in the shack. Uh, saving twenty real a day on that. Is, oh no, uh, it's it's very tempting, but mm-hmm. I just didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, so I ended up buying the track pants and from Kuno, and I got some great shades from the street vendor. Yeah, who's I selling did, shit off his lawyer. I did get some shades from him. Yeah. But that's I, I bought some alcohol for three dollars instead of three hundred dollars. Uh, oh, the spirit. Yeah, the spirits. Yeah, that is a quest that I looked up later. It uh, relates to the uh, the necktie that you start the game with. Oh God, that's another thing uh, I wanted to talk about <laughs> um, at the beginning of the game, and potentially throughout more of the game. 
but uh, your tie will talk to you, and it relates to one of the skills. Uh, uh, Inland Empire. Inland Empire, yeah. which I didn't put any points in. <laughs> um, and for me, I think it talked to me a grand total of two times ever, which is really weird. Like when you like, cause like I didn't know that that's what that skill did. And it was like basically let you talk to inanimate objects and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was just like, what the fuck was up with the tie that talked to me twice? <laughs> It was really weird. Yeah, I the my Inland Empire being my special skill um, ended up it floated around. I didn't put points into it, but uh, it floated around like between six and nine over the course of the game. Nice, um, nice. because <laughs> because of equipment and all that stuff. Your reward for completing the um, uh, the cryptozoologist. Uh, quest lines is a new tie the tie by default gives you plus one isn't like it like the... a bolo tie or something yeah. yeah i got that tie yeah and it gives you a plus one to inland empire and also to volition so it's basically a straight upgrade to the talking tie mm. um which i is apparently why i did not finish the quest that had you buy spirits for three dollars uh, yeah i bought the spirits and i didn't do anything with them after that yeah i didn't, I didn't finish it either yeah because it i thought like you probably did that it was alcohol that you could drink but oh, i thought i was sell it to the other guy who asks you to give him alcohol and he'll tell you stuff the uh, guy who's sitting right next to him that guy never asked me to buy him alcohol so. oh yeah he, he's like if you try to ask him for more stories he's like mm. asked you to give him booze interesting yeah i never never did so that. yeah i thought that's what it was for but he doesn't take it yeah <laughs> uh yeah, so it it is just like a quest item, and I guess you're supposed you put the tie into the bottle of spirits, and then something happens, but I don't know what. You can make it into a Molotov. Ah, uh, maybe. I actually found this out from the video I watched. Interesting. You can use it in the little scuffle that happens outside of the uh, the hotel. Yeah, I was definitely wearing the bolo tie at that point, mm. so I was that I did not know about this. Um, that's interesting, though, because mm-hmm. that scuffle went about as badly as it could have, well, I guess. it's supposed to go bad. Yeah. Like, no matter what happens, you get shot. That's good. So. Yeah. Well, in that case, maybe it went as well as it possibly could have, because mm-hmm. I got shot and warned Kim, and he did not get shot. Yeah, that's where Kim can die, and then Kuno will be your partner if he does. Yeah. Uh, which... Is lame because I like Kuno as partner as a joke. Yeah, it's very funny. But Kim is absolutely my waifu of this oh, yeah, game. No. Kim, <laughs> Kim is my, is my guy. Yeah, Kim best is supporting character uh, from three years ago. No clip awards goes to Kim Katsuragi. Yep. Um, Fuck. Oh yeah, we were talking about buying shit. That's not oh, really yeah. that important. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did, yeah, uh, but no, I took the the free room and then ended up spending money on all kinds of other stuff. But the thing that I wanted to ask you about, actually, is because you mentioned that if you don't have the 20 real on the first night, Mm. something, you're not 20, it's like 100 and some 130. 130 real. Something happens to clear your debt. Mm -hmm. What is that? Because I did not know. Uh, Kim pays for it for you. Oh, nice. He has, like, these hubcaps in his car, um... That he's fond of that are like expensive, and he he pawns them at the pawn shop, um, and gets you gives you the money for your room. 
So you feel bad. Yeah. I'm <laughs> glad I got to avoid feeling bad. Yeah. I just begged Joyce for money. Oh, yeah. And she was like, okay. <laughs> and gave me the money. Yeah. I've, I, I, You get the option to ask, like, m- most characters for money, and I never asked any character for money. I got money successfully from Joyce and the street vendor. Mm. Um, I think that is all, but I may have begged more people. I don't remember. Yeah. I, I basically tried to play, like, as I said um, in the first half, like, I tried to play Henry uh, as, like, a straight edge, basically. Like, uh-huh. he was fucked up so bad that I had to, like, get him back on on track. I got to sober him up. And then I also kind of played, like, I have to make Kim proud, basically. <laughs> like, I tried to, like, just be, like, very professional cop most of the time. Mm-hmm. So I never begged anybody for money. Oh, so you, were you the boring cop cop type? I actually don't know, because I remember they, like, tutorialized that, mm-hmm. and then I just never looked at it again. So I have no idea what my cop type was. Right. They gave me... They tutorialized it in my form when I was, uh, I was given the thought cabinet thought of uh, rigorous Mm -hmm. self-criticism because I was a sorry cop. And I looked at the thing and I internalized it to me to be like, now it's time to, because I didn't know this was being kept track of, to gun as hard as I can for Superstar Cop for the rest of the Mm. game. And so (laughs) that absolutely took over every fiber of my being to make sure that I was not a sorry cop anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then boring cop sounded boring. I probably was boring cop. Yeah, and then apocalyptic cop seemed like always the worst dialogue option. So I just didn't do anything with that. Small in like the corner of the screen, wasn't it? Where that was written. Yeah, yeah it's like, it's on the like notebook screen. Yeah, I feel like I just never looked at it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of things that I never looked at in the notebook screen, uh, did you buy a map? No. You can buy a map, and then you have a map. It's not super helpful. Yeah. uh, But it does allow you to fast travel. Oh, wow. Between three places. It's very... I used it. It's not the most useful thing in the world, but it's also something that was added in the final cut. I actually am glad that I didn't know that, because I am known hater of maps... It's true. And fast travel when the game world is small enough to walk around. <laughs> so the map is interesting. I would have liked it if it passed time though when you fast travel. It does not. Oh, okay, then never mind. Like you wanted there to be like yeah, a like, some reason the, to do it. There's the bench mm-hmm. that exists, and if Kim's not with you, you can use it to pass time. I wish you could just do that when Kim was with you too. There were multiple points where there was, like, an appointment yeah, at a certain time, and, like, I just was out of other stuff to do, uh-huh. and I just had to, like, go back and just talk to people, because the time doesn't pass if you just let the game sit. Right. Which I thought was kind of annoying in a few places. A tooltip recommended buying books to pass time, mm. and that is what I ended oh, up doing. Oh, can you read them and it passes time? Yeah. So you read the book. Uh, it doesn't just passively pass time, it just initiates a, a dialogue. Yeah. yeah. As you actually go through it. Like, I've read the... There's a mystery novel you can buy um, by... or for the the fictional police detective that they call you in the the 41st precinct. Mm-hmm. It's like Dick 
Holden. That's not it. That's just a funny joke I told. Uh-huh. Um, whatever it is, it's Dick something. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, <laughs> if you read that book to the end, you guess you like it. You're supposed to guess what the ending of the book is based on the information it gives you. And then after you guess, the book falls apart and blows away in the wind. Mm. So you never get to know what the actual ending was, which I thought was cute. But that kills like hour and a half, two mm. hours, depending on your choice. So there's a there are a lot of like ways to pass time, I guess. Yeah. But I, I felt I felt that, especially early on where I was just like, Well, I can't afford a book. Right, yeah. It's like six bucks. I have zero yeah. bucks. I can never afford to buy anything because <laughs> I'm staying at the hotel. Exactly, yeah. So that didn't even come into play until the third day. Uh, I did. Have, I had a minor point related to the vision quest that I wanted oh, to yeah, jump yeah, back yeah. to uh, that isn't really related to the vision quest. It just manifested itself there. Sure. Uh, every time I went into a room after accepting the vision quest either the room at the hotel or the shack that vision quest bubble was just Uh, permanently there yep like Uh, when you when you sit up from the bed mm -hmm. yep it's infuriating and just was a constant reminder of how miserably inefficient the switch port is that's actually my first note (laughs) and was like waiting for a good time to bring it up yeah um yeah it's pretty rough it's extremely rough. Um, yeah. I ended up getting it on the Switch so I could like hit in class. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh huh. But I have an amusing anecdote about that when we're done. Here. Oh yeah, and regretted not getting it on PC because mm-hmm. like it doesn't run horribly, but like it's just awkward enough that like, uh, yeah, like there was this one um, where the strike is happening. There's the staircase in, like, what is his name, Manana? Yeah, or whatever Manana. Is there, where it's so awkward to walk on those stairs, like, without turning around and walking back up them halfway. There's the hardest boss in the game. Yeah, and I found that if you hold the <laughs> stick, like, up and to the right, yep. it's the way to do it, to make it work. <laughs> Uh, this is a universal experience. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was I was like, there's no way he's going to... Ha- it's like when I showed you that thing in the Pokemon remake where it was like impossible oh, to not yeah. jump over the ledge. I was like, he's just going to be like, no fucking way is it hard to walk downstairs, you yep. idiot. I'm glad to hear you say it. Yeah, because like, um, it was like, um, I think we talked on a... Um, what's the name of the game... What you do in the game? The Oxen Free. Oxen Free. Um, in that where you were talking about, you played that on the Switch, and you found the controls to be weird, and then yeah. I played it on PC, and it, they weren't at all because you could do the clicking, and you could move with with Waz or the arrow keys. So, if you ever was like kind of stuck, you could just use the other mode of control, and it would just like totally alleviate any of the issues. Yeah. I imagine the PC version of this. Uh, is similar. Oh, almost definitely. Yeah, and it's just like a non-issue. That's and just for context for everybody listening, Andy and I both are. I would go so far as to say extremely forgiving of technical issues. Oh yeah, like me even more so than you. Yeah, probably. And it's my first note. <laughs> <laughs> so and if you are, if you're somebody who's sensitive to that kind of a thing, um, the this game has like serious 
audio stuttering issues. Oh, yeah. Anytime I, that there was, like, weather happening. That actually, I feel like, only happened to me, like, when, the first couple of times I played. There were, mm. like, weird audio things, and then it stopped happening. I played this game mostly in, like, eight to ten hour chunks. Oh, yeah. Like, there was, like, one part where I was playing, and I actually forgot about this, because I think it was, like, the first time I sat down to play. Mm-hmm. Like, all of a sudden... The dialogue was just, like, super loud. It was just, like, regular <laughs> volume, and it was just, like, Kim talking. It was like, Bruh! I was like, what the fuck is happening? And then it never happened again. It was really weird. I never had that. I had, anytime there was, like, wind or rain, mm. it would, the music would start, like, oh, that, stuttering that, out. That didn't happen to me. Yeah, and I had, on two different occasions, think, yeah. a situation where the camera panned. Mm. And then just didn't come back. Yeah, that happened to me early on as well. I God, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, it, yeah. It was like um, it was I think it's at the end of day one. I was like outside of the hotel and the camera. Like I think it faded into like some kind of like dream sequence, or, mm-hmm. like with the uh, the body and or whatever. And then it, when it came back, like the camera was just like either it was like in black. Or, like, I just moved and it didn't follow my character or something like that. Yep. It was wild. But then, yeah, it never happened again. Yeah. That one happened to me twice, and the only way I could solve it was by quitting the game yeah. and restarting it. Uh, yeah, totally forgot about that. Yeah. So there's definitely some some technical issues with the Switch port of this game. I don't know if it applies to other console versions. Um, but, yeah, if I could go back uh, and do it again, I'd probably play it on PC. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which actually, let's let's say that. Um, would you play this game again? Because I think it wants you to. I I think I absolutely would, but I would want to wait like a couple years. Yeah. Both like to just forget stuff, and because this game is a lot, <laughs> you know. But, like, I I know there's, like, a ton of content I didn't see. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it would be fun to play it again. Yeah. I kind of feel... I feel similarly but different. Yeah. In that I there is a lot of stuff I didn't see. Um, and I do feel like this game is a lot. And if I did play it again, I would want to wait a significant time before going back. But I don't think... I feel like knowing more about the game... And knowing sort of where the story can go would make me like this game a lot less. Uh, yeah. And I don't think that even in a few years, given the opportunity, <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I would play it again. I'm the kind of person, though, that that's true for me about, like, any game. <laughs> sure. Uh, unless it's, like, a pure gameplay kind of game. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, but yeah. But, I mean, I guess that's a, a glowing review in some respects, that you would play it again, yeah. theoretically. Yeah, and there's just a there's just a lot. It's it's so dense that like you could play it again and probably get like a third new dialogue you never heard before. Yeah, like, easily. I'm just gonna turn this on real quick. Hopefully, it won't make a bunch of noise. <laughs> uh, and actually check here because <laughs> yeah. All right, this is another game that I want to call out. Uh, our best friends at howlongtobeat.com where unlike with Diddy Kong Racing where I felt like it was a very optimistic read on how long it would take like if you were good at the game Mm -hmm. this game there isn't really challenge in the sense of like 
dexterity where you have to like be good at it uh it's all just sort of navigating dialogue options and with the very rare exceptions of dying Mm -hmm. you're not repeating content the how long to be for this is like 20 hours and i spent over 40 on this Mm -hmm. uh this game is intensely long uh in a way that i couldn't really put my finger on at the beginning i was like this seems like it would be 20 hours Mm -hmm. and then 20 hours later and i was still on day two and i was like how did this happen how am i still on day two Mm-hmm. or the beginning of day three, wherever I was at 20 hours. Uh, did you feel the... I mean, I understand that it's us, but did yeah. you feel the burn with this one? Yeah, it, I, I think it's less to do with its length, because, like, there... And it depends on, like, the kind of game. Because, like, there are certain games I'll play, and I'll put in, like, 60 hours, and it feels like nothing. Mm-hmm. And there are others, like, that will be, like, 12, and they'll feel like they were long. Yeah. Um, so I think it depends on the kind of game and for this, like, I think it's the fact that it's so dense and like how we were talking, like it can feel exhausting. Um, like just getting so much information and feeling like you have to internalize it and think of like how you can use it and like who you can now go talk to to progress story. Like it can be very like taxing, I think to play at times. Um, and I I think that's what makes it feel like it's, so long yeah um but yeah i don't know i it did it did feel like like for me like ideally this game would be like yeah i would cut out like a whole day um from the runtime yeah um and i think it would might maybe be a little bit better if it was like a it, the, some fat was trimmed out of it personally yeah it feels like almost like it could probably go down a day without even changing much Mm-hmm. because it it what it would do is it would put a lot more importance on the things that you chose to engage with yeah and make more stuff optional yeah because i ended up doing like like i found ruby i did the whole interrogation with the hardy boys um including the back and forth with Klaustia, mm-hmm. and i did the church quest with the kids and i did the fucking cryptozoology quest and just all of these things that feel like these big meaty things and having me just miss one of those, I don't think would have been the end of the world. Mm-hmm. I would have been, I would, my curiosity would have been piqued and yeah. just unfulfilled and it would have actually made me want to maybe go back and do it. Yeah, like I know that the church quest line is strictly a side quest. Like you don't have to engage with it at all to beat the game. Yeah. And like, yeah, like some kind of like, I don't know if you would want to signal it um or but like i don't know making it like feel more obvious like what's the main quest i guess yeah yeah stuff that actually nice. like puts you on the right path to the end so that you could get there in an efficient way yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, I agree with that because i think i found myself doing those things often because i didn't know what else to do mm-hmm. um did you lose Cam at any point during the story? Did you send him to do whatever? Yeah, I don't remember what it was, though. I think it was, like, on the second day he left to go do something. Mm-hmm. Mine was also the second day. Yeah, so and I don't remember what it, Yeah, what was... What do you remember what it was? It was taking the body back. Oh, yeah. To the morgue. Yep. Okay. That's what it was. They... Which I found out, I thought this was cool, um, that you can actually not 
take the body away and instead put it in the bear freezer. Yes. And keep it around until your skills are high enough to examine it and, uh, like, actually find the bullet in its throat, mm-hmm. which I thought was, like, super cool. <laughs> but I didn't find my way into that building till the fourth day, so... <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I did. I got the body down on the second day and also made, managed to get in and put it in the freezer and then immediately passed the hand-eye oh, coordination wow. check, which we're going to talk about something, and it's called being a filthy, scummy, dirty, piece-of-shit cheater. Uh, I got lucky on uh-huh. the hand-eye coordination check uh, and just rolled well and got it and figured out where the bullet was. Did you, at any point in the game, and I'll say before you go on your answer the question, I did do this, uh-huh. save scum. Did you save and retry a check? Oh, no, I didn't. Okay. Actually, something that like I didn't even think, once again, didn't even think about doing. Mm-hmm. Um, because like mo- most checks, or it's like, oh, you could just do it again later. Yeah. Um, so it never really seemed like that big of a deal. Um. So, but I did think about it. Like, later on um, in the game, I would save before interactions, but then never actually ended up reloading. Um, but, yeah. So, I, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't guess I didn't think about it too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only started engaging with this on the fourth day. Yeah. Uh, and I know for some people, my credibility is already gone, so mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep rolling No, with I it. think that's... I think the fact that it has so many save slots is encouraging you to do that. Yeah, and a quick save system yeah. also, uh, which is a bit functionally useless in most games, but if you just quick save to then go back and do a check, that seems mm-hmm. to be the reason it's there. Um, but it was particularly for intelligence-based checks that I just really fucking wanted to get, because they're... There's a limit to how many times you can retry something if your intelligence score is one. (laughs) It means you can put a point in that skill one time. uh, And then eventually I discovered that if you smoke and increase your intelligence Mm. um, and then put a point in, you can retry the check and you keep the point, which is what I was a little unsure about because the point is temporary and will fade over time. And I... But apparently you do just get to keep it. So my uh, encyclopedia score was actually just at base four at the end of the game because I just used that trick multiple mm. times. Uh, but then I started save scumming the the int checks because I was like, I don't want to go through the hassle of like, I would have to go buy cigarettes and then yeah. come back and then smoke them and then put a point in. I'm wasting points and time at that point. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I was curious because the game does seem set up for it. Um, but I also didn't engage with it for the longest time. And then it was just like near the end of the game when I was like, mm-hmm. I really want to get this stuff right. Uh, but then I did. I think they anticipated it and made the shootout take a million years. Yeah. Because I considered going back to before the shootout, but my save was half an hour before. Yeah, that seems intentional. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, never mind. Yeah. It's like, um, same thing in Metal Gear. Mm. About, like, the tor- resisting the torture. Yep. If you, if you fail to it, you do not want to go through the whole sequence again. No, absolutely not. It takes, yeah. like, fucking 30 minutes. Or more. Yeah intense yeah oh i did have the funny anecdote sure 
about why I bought the game on the Switch. Um, oh, yeah. And also, as a bit of a, uh explanation as to why we didn't do more episodes, uh, I would love to say, because Disco Elysium is the longest game ever made, <laughs> but uh, it was because we just had a lot of shit going on in May. Uh, everybody that we know is getting married this year, apparently. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up being at a beach house for a week, which the irony of playing Disco Elysium at a beach house is not lost on me. Um, (laughs) I was definitely living the upper class life at the time. Uh, But I I got it on a Switch uh, because I was like, well, I'll be gone for a week, but I could probably sneak in some time to play Disco Elysium. Uh, And I did. I managed to. But it very quickly made me not want to do this Mm -hmm. because I was in a, a house with people who were just sort of milling about. It was a day that we didn't have a lot going on, so people were spending their afternoons in however they saw fit, and then we would reconvene to party more in the evening. Mm-hmm. And I put Disco Elysium up on a TV and was playing it, and occasionally people would just stroll in and like look at the screen and see what I was doing. And this whole time, it was just the long-ass race theory from Measurehead uh, and I was just so embarrassed the whole time. I'm like, there's a lot more to this game than this. But the speech goes on for, like, so long. <laughs> of him just being like, uh, your ham sandwich race. And I'm like, oh my god. I feel like that's so obviously satirical, though, that... I think with the greater context, but, uh... like... And also, these people didn't know who I was, and Fair I enough. wasn't like, playing some kind of weird, <laughs> sure. fashy game. I feel but... like if it was me, I would not have even thought for one second anyone would think that it was I was playing like a racist game. <laughs> but, you Look, know. You never know. <laughs> you, you don't, I guess. Mm-hmm. But that was my uh, experience playing this mm-hmm. on the go. Yeah, no... <laughs> I, I definitely regretted getting it on Switch because I also got it because I was like, oh, I can play it in class, which I barely did. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, we, we were, went to a bachelor party because everyone we know is getting married. And I was yep. like, oh, and even though I know better than this, like, you always think you'll have time to do stuff like that on vacation, but you'd never do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, oh, I could play on the trip, and I didn't touch it. My Switch did not come out of the case <laughs> uh, even once, so... I should have just got it on PC. Yep, it would have made everything a lot. Hey, maybe it would have taken less than 40 hours because it wouldn't have yeah. had all the lag and slowdown. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. That's uh, that's what I got. Yeah, well, you want to talk about the actual uh, end, like who the murderer is? I sure do. Because um, I thought, as I mentioned, um, I noticed on probably like the second day, that you can see, um, what was her name? The woman... Klaustia. Klaustia, I on the roof. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, right after I had learned about the existence of Ruby, although I didn't know her name yet yeah. or who she was, and I was like, it's going to be her. I was <laughs> like, she's going to be, like, the murderer, or she's going to be, like, tied in, because, like, she's up there. We met her on the first day. She's going to be significant. I was like, aha, I felt so smart. <laughs> um, and then was surprised when she wasn't. But she, I was correct that she was important, and the game wanted me to forget about her. But I didn't. <laughs> and she also, her portrait looks like Laura Dern. It sure does. Um, I had the same thought. Yeah. But um, so I didn't actually get to the ending. I got about like 20 plus, maybe about 25 hours into the game. 
uh, which is a big good chunk, but I didn't get to to beat it. Um, and so I, I I saw the ending, and I was wondering, as somebody who actually played through the whole thing, um, did you find the reveal that the deserter was the murderer to be like kind of anticlimactic or like unsatisfying? That it wasn't a character that you'd met, like a little Deus Ex Machina e. Right. I don't disagree with that. And I think that under different circumstances, I probably would have. Um, I kind of got the impression from the ending that I was at fault for not being able to piece together like more about it so that it didn't come as quite a surprise. Um, but I, I agree. I think that there definitely could have been further implications like the the tie-in that Klaustia has to the deserters that he was sort of like fixated on her and that's why he killed the Merc was because they were together Mm -hmm. uh and you you really get everything that you can out of her um or at least I tried to and in the end the fact that like it didn't like that never got clued in that that was something that could have happened because mm-hmm. he stayed completely hidden from her. It's like, yeah, the more that you talk about it, the more I'm like, yeah, they probably yeah. should have put something and, in there. Yeah, and like from, um, once again, did not personally experience it, but mm-hmm. um, from what I saw online, like, you you didn't have like a different experience that most people have. Like, I think they like barely foreshadow it. Yeah. Um, and they just kind of like, kind of comes out of nowhere for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause there's no other way to get to the Island. Yeah. Like you have to wait for the boat and take the boat there. And that's basically when you learn anything. Like yeah. you can't even talk to the kids about the Island who tell you about the, the fireman or whatever mm-hmm. who lives on the Island who yells at the kids for starting fires. Like that even would have been something to grasp onto earlier. Like, there might be a squatter or something. Yeah. Uh, and that just never comes up. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just not available information to you. Yeah. I, I, it seems like um, the game, like, I, I said this earlier, and it, it really feels like the game quickly become not quickly, but, like, over time becomes not about the case or the mystery and more about, like, exploring, like, the themes of like kind of surrounding your main character of like failing over and over and not giving up. Like, I feel like a lot of characters tie into that theme and the, the deserter is kind of like the exact opposite, like somebody who failed and has just kind of lived in it for the rest of his life and let it control him. And which is, you know, fair. Like that's always (laughs) nice when you can tie in theming like that. Um, It's like very like symbolic, like, almost star warsy like dark side light side like you're put your villain the exact opposite of your hero right um but yeah it just i don't know feels kind of i don't know maybe poorly considered at least in my opinion to like not have the reveal of who the villain is like set up or introduced like better yeah I am curious as to what information I could have gleaned from Ruby had I managed to talk Mm. her down from killing herself. But even with that, like, knowing now what the end of the game was, I feel like she wouldn't have had any further information 
on the guy either. It would have probably been more on the pale, which is a totally different sort of thing. And, like, yes, you can make an argument that everything in the game is connected in some way or another. The phasmid is, like, the reason that the guy is the way he is uh, because of a pheromone that is, is excreted. And even that being, like, a supernatural explanation for part of it feels deus exy mm-hmm. um as opposed to day of sexy um which is not uh <laughs> uh and so it like i don't know it kind of does compound when you take everything together you're like boy i wish i could have done more of that mm-hmm. but i think that's I'm not, I don't want to give the game more credit than it deserves, mm-hmm. but I do want to at least shout out the fact that this is like an outwardly, this game has outward political machinations in it. Mm-hmm. It is about politics in as much as they relate to the player character, and even in its politics, it does not give clear answers. Um, I'm probably not well-versed enough to, like, uh, go into any fine details on, like, what it is saying specifically about different modes of politics, but the fact that everything, in the end, sort of, like, there are villains on all sides Mm -hmm. of it, like, no matter how you look at it, like, the... Everyone is sketchy, basically. Yeah. It's a very uh, equal... uh, What is fucking... What do lame comedians say? It's the equal opportunity offender. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, of a game when it comes to this kind of thing. And I don't know. It just it feels like there's all these things that, that tie together into something, into a narrative. Uh, but it isn't about the actual case, uh, despite me earlier saying that the mystery part of it kind of really worked here. Yeah, no, I it feel like it the ending kind of serves more like their message more than it does the narrative. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that was the right call (laughs) personally, especially as somebody who hosts podcasts that does mystery man. Yeah. You gotta get that narrative, (laughs) that mystery narrative in fucking line. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I think that in the end, like I liked the ending mostly because of the cryptid. Yeah. Um, and just sort of the sensation of wrapping things up and having Kim there and having him not be shot and dead. Uh, and I got accepted back on the force, even though I kind of wish that the door was open to become a cryptozoologist. That would have been my ideal ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it felt satisfying in the moment. But if you wrote it all out and then told it to somebody, they'd be like, that was it? Like, there was <laughs> yeah. no fucking... What about all that other stuff? Yeah, it wasn't like the girl in the convenience store. <laughs> it's like, that turns out not important. Yeah. Uh, do we have intrusive thoughts? Uh, okay. Okay. My intrusive thoughts are this game is super dense. When I sat down to make notes on it, I was like, I have no idea where to start. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's jam-packed with narrative, voice acting, dialogue, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think, as I think I said on the first half, like, it combines, like, this kind of stripped-down, like, skill 
uh, like skill check RPG system uh, combined with like an interesting like uh, like more contemporary setting, and you end up with a really unique package, I think. And I think it's really easy to be drawn in, um, at least in my opinion, if you're not off-put by, like, some of the ways it tries to make you feel, uh, like you aren't making progress at the start. Um, like, I, I think the world's really interesting, um, the skills, like, talking to you, like, um, it can be, like, it's, it's, it's wild to think just how much is going on under the hood, like, any different little interaction can have, like, so many of the different, uh, uh, internal skills like talking to you and it's just really impressive like it's I think it's hard it's again it's hard not to be like impressed by mm-hmm. or or and I I find that sort of thing really interesting at least at this point in my video game playing career <laughs> um so yeah I, I really enjoyed it um there were times where it felt a little exhausting but for like the most part it's it's intriguing it's engaging um I really like the characters I enjoyed like trying to uncover the mystery and like anytime like a new area opened up like when i first opened up the the dam or the lock or whatever it is and got to go to the coast to like exploring the new areas was always exciting um so yeah this game really worked for me i i do wish it was a little bit shorter given how dense it is um because it it did make it a little like hard to like want to keep coming back to because you just think about it and you're like oh it's late (laughs) Uh, it's almost kind of like read, trying to read before you go to bed if you're too tired, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, overall, like very positive. I really like this game. I'm glad that, uh, we, we went with it this month. Uh, it ended up being a great mystery, uh, great mystery May game and, uh, definitely a unique experience. Like this definitely will be a game that like I continue to think about, I think. And, um. So yeah, th- those tend to be like my favorite games we've done for the podcast in retrospect. So I, 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 I yeah, give it, give it a, a big thumbs up. <laughs> um, I'm so hot and cold on this game that you could apply me to your muscles to relieve soreness. Um, this game was, ex- was exceedingly long and I do hate it for that. Uh, the game is also not really fun in the sense that games can be fun and it is a really bleak sort of thing, but it is invaluable to the sort of unique vibes that it puts out. The, I forget what Noid calls them, signs. Mm-hmm. I, did, I synced signs with this game at some point midway through and... Well, probably did early. The game really impressed me early, but then it took a while for me to want to engage and proceed with it. It was a hard game to pick up, like you said, because it was so tiring to play at times. Like, it's a fascinating game, and it does a lot of things, and I appreciate the insight that it gives uh, into sort of people and humanity, like the way that it sees everything is a a valuable perspective to have um it's also definitely the most unique game that we've played this year uh and i don't really see too much else coming to overthrow that i might feel slightly differently if i'd played planescape but i've Mm -hmm. not um 
So to me, this seemed like a really novel uh, system of mechanics. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I kind of agree with you on that. I think this is a game that I'm going to be thinking about a lot, even though it isn't a game that I really want to be playing anymore. I really enjoyed my time with it, and I'm extremely happy to have actually gone through it um, and gotten, like, a, a the, the taste of Revachal. But as it stands, like, I don't... I have no idea who I would recommend this game to. Like anybody but also i don't anticipate most people getting very far into it before they got so downtrodden by it that yeah. they just stop yeah i feel like anyone you'd want to recommend this to already knows about it it's yeah. like it's that kind of game exactly yes uh but yeah that's it i'm i'm really positive on it but there's a lot of stuff that i probably would have done a little differently Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, uh, immediately challenging my idea that we might not play a game as unique as this one, uh, we're going to be talking about Inscription, uh, a game that I know involves deck building, or at least cards, and I know nothing else about. All right. I'm usually the one that knows a little something about the games beforehand, (laughs) but I know even less. Yeah, about this one this time. So <laughs> the most important thing to know about inscription is that everybody says you shouldn't know anything about inscription. So uh, hopefully it just sort of works out for us. All right. Uh, until that time, uh, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro, where you can find our Twitter, our uh, Discord, where you can get on, talk about the games, or suggest new ones for us to play. Um, you can find our YouTube, which contains all of our old episodes, including our episode on West of Loathing, or on Kentucky Route Zero, uh, or on more traditional RPGs, like Final Fantasy X and Xenoblade. Um, have a argument with that like button... Try to shoot the body down from the tree so you can ring that bell. Uh, And subscribe to us and also Cryptozoology Weekly. It's a magazine I is not in the game. Made it up just now. Here we go again on our own Podcast in the only way we've ever known Like a drifter I was born to game alone